Well, since we can't go anywhere these days without being reminded to vote and to register to vote, I thought I would start with a little story about a woman named Fannie Lou Hamer. In August of 1962, Fannie Lou Hamer went to church one evening to hear a man preach. He was a guest preacher at her little rural church in Mississippi, and he was there as part of a campaign to encourage black people to register to vote. Up until that night, though, Fannie Lou had no idea that voting was even a possibility for black people like her. She had grown up in a sharecropper's family. She was the youngest of 20 children. You heard that right, two zero. They had absolutely no money growing up. And in fact, she used to talk about that she remembered going to uh, pick cotton from the neighbor's fields, uh, the edges of the neighbor's field. And she'd gather up the cotton, put it in a bushel, and go sell it to just make a little bit of money for her family. And she remembers doing that with rags tied around her feet because they didn't even have shoes. So her family endured so much hardship. They, they had a lack of education. Black people like her in the rural South were terribly oppressed. And there was outright hatred just lobbed at them in, in malicious and really hurtful ways. So Fannie Lou knew that something was wrong with the world she inherited, but she had never heard of civil rights. She had no idea that black people could even vote to make a change. But what she did know was that on that night, in that little church in 1962, God stirred something in her, and she began to speak up. The first thing she did was she took a bus load full of people to the county courthouse to register. As soon as she found out that that was a possibility, within two weeks, she rounded up everybody she knew, got them on a bus, and, and took them to the county courthouse, whereupon they were told that only two of the entire bus would be allowed to, to register, and even then they had to pass a literacy test. Now, this literacy test, mind you, 90% of us could not pass today, I'm sure. It had things like constitutional law that we don't even know about. But after all, that was not the point, because white people wouldn't be required to take the, the literacy test. Only black people were required. So over the course of several years, these are the kinds of things that, that Fannie Lou endured, but she persisted. And she would eventually be responsible for massive voting reform for black people. And it cost her plenty. She was arrested, jailed, beaten, threatened. She even came up against Lyndon B. Johnson at one point, President of the United States, just to be able to have her voice heard on behalf of people. She was eventually the very first black delegate male or female, by the way, who ever attended a national political convention. She was a true pioneer, and her story is remarkable. If you haven't ever heard of her, I encourage you to read. There is so much more to her story than what I'm able to share here this morning. But the key to it all is this. Through the entirety of her efforts, she maintained that it was because of a deep conviction that her Christian faith demanded her to act. 
Christian resolve, she said, alone was not going to heal white racism. We need to be out there in the world doing something, she said. Now that's what happens, you guys, when we accept God's invitation. There's no two ways about it. I'm sorry to, to break that news to you, but God is a relational God and wants to guide us and lead us to places of change. God wants to lead us to some kind of greatness, to bring peace to a hurting world, to find new ways to embody the age-old command to love our neighbor. It's an active kind of love. That's what we're being invited to. But before any of that, the, the parable of the wedding feast, first and foremost, is a reminder that not only are we invited to be in relationship, to, to, to have the finest things that, that there is to offer in this life, the grace and mercy of God's love, but that that invitation is for everyone. That invitation to accept God's love and mercy and joy in this life is for every single person. Bring them in off the streets, the king said in the parable. Regardless of race, color, creed, sexual orientation, saint, sinner, it doesn't matter. Everyone is equal and worthy. Come to the table. Enjoy the feast. Enjoy yourselves. Love and be loved no matter who you are. There is such goodness and mercy in that invitation. We're all invited, even though none of us did a darn thing to earn our spot there. Fannie Lou didn't get her invitation after God saw all the great things she was doing. That night in August of 1962, God just whispered an invitation to her and she accepted it. And then she set about the business of letting people know that because she follows God, her faith demanded that she do so. Jesus said in Matthew 25, when you see someone hungry or thirsty or a stranger or someone needing clothes or who is sick or in prison, however you treat them is how you treat me. He said in Matthew 9, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. In other words, our actions, our ability to show mercy to someone because we have been shown mercy is of utmost importance for followers of Jesus over and above lives of piety and ritual. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And then in Luke, Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, be merciful, even as your Father in heaven is merciful. He says, it's easy for anyone to lend money, for example, because they expect a return on their loan. But love your enemies, do good, lend and expect nothing in return, and then your reward will be great. Jesus also said, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. You know, Jesus had around him all the time tax collectors, prostitutes, all kinds of sinners. Scripture tells us over and over again, these were the kinds of people that Jesus hung out with. And over and over again, 
Jesus was reminded that he was out of line by the religious people of the day, those whose lives were filled with piety and ritual. Why does your teacher dine with tax collectors and sinners, they would ask his disciples. Why? One word, mercy. Mercy is when you don't get what you probably deserve, and you do get what you probably don't deserve. All throughout the Gospels, we see evidence of God's grace and mercy and love freely given. And when we have been given that kind of gift, unexpected, unmerited, unmitigated, the last thing we want to do is squander it, to be speechless before God. Because if I'm hearing scripture right, there will be hell to pay if we do. The man without proper clothing in our reading today from Matthew 22 accepted the invitation to the feast. But in the end, he was no more than an innocent bystander. He had no reply to the king whatsoever. Friend, how, how did you get in here? Speechless. No reply. Meh. Indifference is more dangerous than anger or hatred, said the great Elie Wiesel. He said, indifference is not a response. Indifference is not a beginning. It's an end. He said, therefore, indifference is always the friend of the enemy. The invitation to become a disciple warrants anything from us other than indifference. The invitation to discipleship means embodying the Christian values of love and justice, period, end of story. We all come before God bathed in mercy already. Now we have to show up clothed in it as well. It's not enough to just show up. Jesus is saying, essentially, now be in relationship with me. Put on the new clothes that say to the world, I'm a disciple. I care about people. I stand up for justice. I offer mercy. I put love into action. Say something. Do something, Jesus seems to be saying. Let people know why you came to the party in the first place. That's what God wants, a mutual relationship. We already have God's forgiveness, mercy, and grace. But in accepting it, we also accept that we can't waste that. John 15, 16, Jesus says, You do, did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. So let's go bear some fruit. Now, while I do believe that we can all be Fannie Lou's, we all have the ability and are capable of some kind of loving action in the world. But I also know that it's quite possible to show up for the party feeling depleted, exhausted, anxious, utterly lost. But here's the thing, 
God wants that too. So what if instead of standing there looking ignorant or dumbstruck or indifferent, the man who arrived at the wedding feast without the proper wedding robe, without donning his new set of God clothes, had answered the question by simply saying, you know, to be totally honest, somebody told me there was free food here and I haven't eaten for a couple days. Can I come in? What if the man had said, God, I'm just so lonely and tired of being cut off from my family and my friends during this pandemic. I just need to be around people. What if the man had said, gosh, my kids are doing online school and I'm working from home and I'm going a little bit crazy and I know I'm not wearing the wedding robe, but can I just come in for a few minutes and rest? What if the man had said, I'm so sad about so many things, racism, climate change, divisions, my personal safety, the children of the world, and I just thought maybe I could come in and learn how to help. In other words, what if we just show up vulnerable with God, who loves us and cares for us above all else, and has invited us to be in a relationship? It's risky to get real with God, I know that. But I don't believe our circumstances can ever really change unless we are willing to take a risk. I don't think the circumstances of the world can really change unless Christians are willing to take the risk and show up. I pray that God will not allow us to remain silent before him. I pray that we will go boldly before God in our personal prayers, that we'll go boldly before our communities, that we will go boldly into our places of work and worship, that we will go boldly into the election polls, that we will go boldly into the world, and that we will do all we can, where we can, and we'll do it with love. So my question for us this morning is, what might we be being silent about right now that needs to be said before God? God can handle it all, you know. You can be 0% certain about anything in this life, but know this, you are loved. And if the only reply that you can muster is just a thank you or a I'm a little busy over here trying to, you know, survive. Or let's talk tomorrow, God. That's okay. Because that's not indifference. That's engagement. So what might you be being silent about right now that God is asking you to do? Because I don't know how it works, but I'm telling you that you will be equipped you will be bold. You will be able to get things done. Many are called, but few are chosen. It's not a threat. It's an invitation. We are all invited. Now what are we going to do about it? God has thrown open the doors and said, come on in, everybody. 
He said, come on in, you who were born and raised into the faith and you who are recent converts. You whose curiosity has finally gotten the better of you and you decided to dare to step into a church. You who can quote chapter and verse of our scriptures and you who've never opened a Bible a day in your life. You who miss being together in the fellowship of your congregation and you who are silently grateful that you get to sit home in your, the privacy of your own living room these days. You liberals, you conservatives, you Republicans, you Democrats, you Green Partiers, you Libertarians, you who've been told you're not welcome because of who you love, you who have had experiences in churches that confused you or hurt you or condemned you, you who are struggling mightily because of this pandemic and you who are feeling a little bit guilty because things are actually going pretty well for you. You who are hanging on by a string with online schooling, with work, with family commitments, and you who are hanging on by a string in the deep abyss of loneliness. You who know you are children of the Most High God and you who are embarrassed that you showed up wearing the wrong clothes, you are all welcome at the feast, and it promises to be a doozy. My prayer for us today is that we will understand, no matter where we are in this life, how deeply, deeply we are loved, how mercy and grace are already ours, and then, with every fiber of our being, that we would accept the invitation by showing up in the world and showing the world what love looks like in action. So let us pray.